And there's also the SMS line on 31567. It's now time for our weekly feature, hiking feature with Tim Lundy. Cape Talk, hiking with Tim Lundy. Hi, Tim. A week has flown by. A lot has happened. How are you doing? Very well. Yeah, the week has definitely flown <laughs> past. Lots of I see activity. you have some guests with you. Uh, John Manking and Peter Wynn, who are uh, volunteer wildfire fighters who've been very busy uh, this past uh, few weeks as uh, Cape Town and the Southwestern Cape still is in the grips of its fire season. Tim, I want to start with you. Uh, uh, is What is the most common way in which wildfires get started that has kept these two gentlemen? We'll speak to them very shortly, but just what gets Gets them started. Well, you know, I when I when I spoke to Peter about it, um, he immediately said one thing that kind of made me think, "Oh dear, I've um, had this perception that it's always arsonists, and it's not. It's it's all sorts of things that do start fires." So it was also one of these things that we I thought it was time that we have this conversation again about fires and about. How good are they for mountains? How bad are they for mountains? Um, what as hikers should we be looking out for? Um, and and general knowledge of like phone a fire in. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter will know that often um, when anybody ever sends me any information on a fire that's just started, if there's mm-hmm. just smoke, they send me a photograph. I immediately send it on to him and say to him, look, this is what's happened. I think most of the time he's probably already way ahead of me on the game, <laughs> knows all about it. Um, but, you know, just in case he doesn't, then then at least he knows. And um, the quicker they can get onto the mountain, the quicker we can mm. get that fire out and um, get it sorted out. Now, what do you as, as a hiker, as someone who is familiar with the terrain around here, the Cape Peninsula, um, if you're on the mu- in the mountain and you see some smoke there, what is the first thing that you should do? Should you go investigate first, try and uh, and see what you can do yourself or immediately contact? I think, yeah, if you can immediately... Um, you need to reassess what route you're on, where that smoke's coming from, um, because the last thing you want to be doing is walking straight into a fire. Mm. Um, if you've been around a fire in the, in the felt and, and there's a strong wind, um, which I have been quite a few years ago, I watched a house burn down in front of me and there was no firefighters around at the time. And at the time it took me to get from where I was standing back to my car, which was about 150 meters. Mm. By the time I got back to my car, the area I'd been standing at was on fire. Mm. Which really gave me a big, big fright because it it really showed me how quickly those fires can move and yeah it it so when you're out in those mountains, if you see a fire starting, come up with a plan of how to get out of there quickly um don't panic, don't start running down the mountain that's probably the worst thing you can do, but just don't try and try and establish where it is and try and get away from it and and then alert the authorities as quickly as you possibly can and i want to bring in john manking and and peter Wynn, who are from uh, volunteer wildfire services one of the various organizations crews that have been busy over the last uh, few weeks fighting uh, uh, fires uh, i i've been a, a a news reporter who've covered uh, various fires in 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 the last few years but i've always kept a safe distance but what exactly is it like and we've been trying to find out this question for all of, of, of this week trying to speak to firefighters on the ground what exactly is it like having all this heavy equipment on you maybe even an oxygen tank a hose a, a, a swatter uh, maybe even a rake just what is it like on that fire line Peter well evening listeners um, 
I think uh, it is hot out there. Obviously, it's uh, when the fires are going on. We don't get the nice cool conditions. It's it's warm enough um, in the heat of the day without without the fire added into that mix. Um, fortunately, we don't have to carry the big oxygen tanks up. We go up with uh, with basic equipment, um, our normal PPE, flash hoods, goggles, gloves, you know, to, to protect us from the largest amount of the heat. Um, and then generally take up beaters, which is what you refer to as swatters and arecos, and it's a lot of hard physical labor. Um, if we're fortunate enough, we'll get water. Um, but a lot of the time we're working deeper into the mountains. That's what we do. The structural guys, we let them deal with the road. Um, and we take the deeper into the mountains portion. So we don't always have access to water, so it's a lot of physical a lot of physical graft to, to put out the fires. Um, water is very useful when we can get it. So when we have that aerial support, it's absolutely fantastic. Works really well. Aerial support and ground crews are one isn't as good without the other um, in, in both cases. John, there's this... Uh there's this myth or there's this belief, particularly about uh, from with journalists on the ground, that says that uh, if you have a cigarette while at a fire, <laughs> it helps you breathe better. <laughs> well, there's uh, – sorry, good evening, Lester, and the listeners as well. Uh, uh, there is that, that idea that you could do a bit of training if you're going to be a firefighter and take up smoking, <laughs> but it's not advised at all. Bad habits uh, all around. But, uh, yeah, it is a bit of a joke and a myth, no, yeah. <laughs> no, the, 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 we, we try to, to theorize around the, 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 the science of it that they say, and we would argue that no, if you take a puff of the cigarette, your, the alveoli in your lungs automatically open, and that takes in more oxygen. So all of a sudden, if you're around the smoking area, it, you can myth bust that right now. I can tell you now, um, your lungs struggle as it is uh, when you're out on the the fire line. It's hot. Uh, the smoke is overwhelming. It's all kinds of different smokes as well, depending on where the fire is. Um, you don't want the added extra pressure of a uh, cigarette smoke. So, so no, we don't recommend that at all. Maybe for those who do choose to smoke, maybe way after the fire and in a safe area yes John how did you get involved with volunteer wildfire services so uh, I joined as a new recruit in 2017 um, after obviously being around in Cape Town for many years and seeing all the fires and stuff and I've often spoken about joining and, and giving my time now I love the outdoors um, I consider myself fairly fit and I spent a lot of the time in the mountain but often seeing you know these fires wreak such devastation and I said enough I'm not going to give my time I'm fairly fit and I can offer certain skills and stuff and so I decided to walk the talk and uh, so I'll be doing it down to my second season It's the weekly hiking feature On tonight with Lester And we usually just speak to Tim Lundy But now in this week we have John Manking And Peter Wynn who are from Volunteer Wildfire Services Tim was uh, very uh, gracious to bring them in To talk about uh, the recent wildfires That we've been hiking And the connection uh, uh, to uh, to hiking The uh, very uh, natural terrain That we are uh, blessed to have here Particularly in the, in, in the Cape Peninsula um, Tim, back to you. When we talk about uh, fire season, um, it is generally from December to April, and people are asked to take various precautions when walking. What can we do as people who use the mountain, who use the area around the city, and not inadvertently start a fire? I think one of the things that comes to mind immediately is um, litter. Um, glass, I think, is one of those things that does... Broken glass is also just the right angle and the right kind of sunshine. It'll it'll spark something. Um, yeah, just don't leave littered behind. Um, don't smoke on the mountain. <laughs> Whether there's a fire or not, don't. Um, yeah, just just be aware of, of the, f- the fact that everything is really dry at this time of the year. Um, and it it is open to... Things going wrong it's, and fires starting, it, and once they start, 
as these guys know, it is incredibly difficult mm. to get it going, uh, to get it out. And like last Friday, I mean, some of the footage I saw on Facebook is actually mm. just unbelievably scary because it it just reminds you of how vicious fire mm. can actually be. Mm. Um, water is is one of those things. Flooding and everything is is also very destructive and dangerous for us. But fires just yeah it. Um, People just don't, I think, take it seriously enough. And I think as, as hikers being out in the mountain, that we really need to just pay attention to it. Um, and I think, I, mean, I don't know if you guys know or not, but um, whether or not you know, the public, when a fire does start, do you guys get a lot of people messaging you going, fire started? Because I know, Peter, whenever a fire starts, I'm, I'm on to him straight away. Like this. this time of the year, in an, as a journalist, Every there's a, there's a message every day. You've come to learn that if it's black smoke, it's garbage. If it's white smoke, it's gross. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that yeah. is and that is the question I, I usually ask people: What color is the smoke? It's black. Yeah. It's not gross. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, listen. I mean, there there is debate on that. I mean, depending on the intensity of the fire and one of the things. But I want to go back to something that you were asking now, Tim, about in terms of uh, fire season. Um, actually, starts in November, and sometimes we mm. see fire starting even earlier. If you look in twenty end of twenty seventeen with the Twelve Apostles fire. Um, also out uh, Glen Ken and a few others. So complacency is, is something we need to be aware of as well. And um, we can't expect fires are going to only burn in a certain time of, of year and, and, and so forth. So we need to be aware of that as well. I think that's just uh, one thing. And, and, and again, report. If you see a fire, report it as soon as you can. Yeah. There, there's the, is the discussion and the, not, not debate. There is a discussion and the reminder that often fires are a natural part of our mountainous environment, mm. in particularly yeah. uh, this region. And if you look at it, it's usually re- every 15 years we have a major fire. The 2000, I, st- I lived in the southern suburbs, I lived in retreat. I remember Musenberg and Lion's Head in Musenberg. That was beautiful at night. And then in... It was a, 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 a bittersweet, mm. beautiful picture. And then 2015, the other South yeah, Peninsula correct. fire. So fire is a natural part of the ecosystem of the Cape Peninsula. Look, I think the one thing that... Um, the, the problem with it is is that with with fires, yes, on one side it is a good thing for the fan boss to burn, but the problem I'm, we're finding at the moment is that that fan boss is burning too soon. Correct. So the plants are not getting to the point where they can reproduce. So there's certain areas where that plant is actually wiped out completely because they haven't had their full cycle to to now spread the seed for the next fire. Then um, how does that affect you then on trails? Uh, because uh, you could see. Freshly uh, area that has been freshly uh, there was a fire quite recently. There's been some regrowth. How does then af- that affect your trails? So one one of the the things that I've noticed the vegetation comes back. The vegetation doesn't come back as quickly mm-hmm. if you're not getting water. So the whole cycle gets completely thrown out, and that ground. I mean, uh, my big waterfall I think is still closed because. That vegetation just hasn't grown fast enough. Mm. And at the top of Mybergs, that that ravine is really steep. Even when the vegetation was there, the path was quite Mm. badly eroded. Now you've taken everything away. There's nothing holding that embankment. Um, And then, of course, you come to winter, you now have a whole lot of rain. And if you drive along the coastal road, you'll see what happens as all those rocks come 
flying down the mm. mountain. We have Tim Lundy in studio for our weekly hiking feature, but also John Manking and Peter Wynn, who are volunteer wildfire services firefighters. If you have any questions for them, you can call us on 021-446-0567 or WhatsApp us on 072-567-1567. If you want to talk about frequency, um, John and Peter, you guys who are volunteers and who get called out, are you noticing an increase in, in, in mountain fires or is it going beyond just this periodic uh, every 5, 10, 15 years that we have a major fire? We, we can talk about, you know, the, the good fires and the bad fires. So so those good fires are, like you said, the Musenberg fire every 15 years or so. That's a, that's a great time for there to be a fire. So whilst it, there was some destruction in that, mm. it was very beneficial for the fanboy. So it needed that fire to regenerate. But the other side of that coin is we've got those, as uh, Tim mentioned, we've got those far too frequent fires, those airs which are burning year after year um, on that. And that, that doesn't allow the fan boss to, to regrow. Um, and there's certain areas where that happens more, more frequently, and you're starting to see marked impacts on that. So what used to be fan boss is turning to a more grassy kind of mm. slopes, rather, which burn a lot easier mm. as well. So the frequency is pick, picking up. It's, it, in general, over the past couple of years, there has been a – slight increase in fires um you know it does fluctuate it's not a constant lineup some years it's slightly lower but in general the trend is upwards within the peninsula out in the boland and the winelands there there are more fires and more specifically we're getting fires that are burning larger areas with the drought fires are getting a hold quicker and they're getting much bigger than the than they have in the past you know it's more resources are required to contain them in in that initial phase and it's difficult to get those resources in in that initial, what we call the initial attack period. Is there a difference in fighting a fire in natural mountain fanbos than fires that happen to go into vineyards or fires that go into pine plantations? If you look at the overstrand, there's yeah. plenty of pine plantations there. And from what I hear, the worry was that if those fires went into those pine plantations, the roots are much deeper, the root systems, and that if it goes underground, those fires could actually then smolder for mm. weeks, if sure. not months. Yep. So, so we get a each each set of fires has its own complications. Even a grass fire might look simple, but they do pose their own set of risks. So, fanboss fires um, do have one set of risks. Plantations and a completely different set of risks. On a plantation fire, we might actually stand back and let it burn through because it's just not worth some of the risks going through. And yes, you do get that problem um, of of uh, fires getting into the roots, burning, and then popping up months later. If you look at some fires like the Musenberg fire, it was six weeks. Um, 2015 fires six weeks later there were still bits that were smoldering coming up um so it does happen mm. sometimes it can be as long as a year um mm. in certain circumstances where fires will re reemerge. john i'm interested in find in, in finding out what's it like getting that call i have a friend um uh, jason fisher he's a, a oh yes we know jason a, a volunteer wildfire a fight firefighter and we were supposed to meet for coffee this weekend this last weekend and his wife calls and says oh sorry he's got a call Betty's <laughs> Bay And yeah. it was out for 24 hours You yeah. got back 10 o'clock the next day What's it like? I'm sure you have a day job Firstly, what is your day job? Uh, I'm a full-time photographer uh, And yeah, video producer and, and, and Peter? I lecture in Incident Command System And uh, fire itself So you guys have full-time uh, day jobs So what then happens if you get a call? Um, is this pre-arranged with your <laughs> employer? I, I guess you're self-employed Yeah, I work for myself Yeah, So my, my, my boss is sometimes quite generous to let me go um, <laughs> But... Um, <laughs> but but as uh, when you chatted to Hayden the other day, it's it's much the same. Where you know some of us um, w yeah, work for companies or work for ourselves or our students, um, we all you know we're all quite busy. And then depending on whether as 
Aiden said, if we can get off work the next day, um, then we can maybe respond. But it also depends on work commitments, family commitments. We're all volunteers, so we, we give what we can. Even if it's we respond to one fire in a season, we, we do what we can. I asked uh, a, a, volunt- uh, a working on fire firefighter, Boitumelo Mishra, uh, on Sunday. Mm. Uh, does he make a, a final call before he goes out? Does he send his girlfriend back <laughs> home? Does he send his mom saying, I'm going out now. Just, you know, think of me. Do you guys do the same? Or is this, uh, but I think Hayden said it's, he, he likes chasing the adrenaline, so it's more of, of action for him. What, what's it like for you? It's a dangerous circumstances out there. Um, I, I used to I used to drop a quick message, uh, but my parents live overseas. Um, now I don't. Um, if if a call comes through, then I, I'm generally the person helping manage the call as the operations manager. I'm getting a lot of the calls. I'm the one who would actually be sending the call outs to the membership and coordinating that response. Um, so I'm not always on the line. I'm sometimes I'm stuck on the desk doing the paperwork to get the rest of the guys on the line. Um, but also everyone's so used to you <laughs> responding to fires that they don't they don't expect a message. They know that you're going to be out there most um, of the time. And, and 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 you, John, do you send uh, send a message to a loved one just saying th- uh, think of me? <laughs> you know, generally, like I'll message either family or, or my girlfriend. Um, but again, they, they know that this is fire season and that we will be responding to fires. We let them know if we do go out. Um, but again, uh, touch on what Hayden said. We are trained really, really uh, highly in terms of. Uh, safety is, is uh, the tantamount so there isn't a major major stress uh, as such. Tim we've been quite fortunate or, or maybe you can inform us if, if, if this is incorrect that we've not had any incidents of hikers or being being caught in, in some areas or what has been a, a, a report in, on fires on mean? fires yes um, not that I've been made aware of um, look generally when fires start I think they start kind of slow and then they just they grow so they they spread and then they just mm. exponentially just grow like crazy and if there's a wind behind or if the wind picks up it grows a lot faster it generally takes a bit of time for that to actually start to kick in which gives i think most people time to get out i think it was last year's season SkyMed was sent in um to actually scan the mountains mm. on the top of the 12 apostles um, it was that fire above mm-hmm. um, on the Twelve Apostles, and so they sent the helicopters in to actually just quickly check that there weren't actually mm-hmm. any people that needed to, because even though the fire is at the bottom of the mountain, you're at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. You've got to get to the bottom, and you've got to go past mm-hmm. it. So, it, I think the decision was made um, by rescue and and the fire guys to actually just send up, scan the area, mm-hmm. get people out of there because they weren't gonna. Mm-hmm. There was a potential that they weren't going to get out there fast enough. Now, before we continue the discussion on fires, you do do a weekly rescue and safety recap. Yeah. Us. What does the picture look like over the last few weeks on our mountains? So the rescue, the rescue side of things this year has been relatively busy. Um, but this week, thankfully, has been nice and quiet, which is great. Um, has that got anything to do with Lion's Head being closed? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> there is that possibility. I think also people are going back to school now, so there's there's fewer people now on the mountain. The season's kind of starting to slow down again. Um, we did have one rescue last week, um, a successful one. And, um, yeah, but the the safety side of things, there was some news that I got this morning, which was fantastic news. That from October 2017 to this time in 2018, there were 26 muggings on, on our mountains. This same period from October last year to now, there have been four. So the guys that are doing the work behind the scenes, Andre van Skalkveik and um, 
a T-bomb the guys that go out in, in big mass to go and hike those routes that they want the mountain back for, for people to be safe on the mountains seems to be having some sort of an impact, um, which is great, great news. Just, just going to the WhatsApp line on 072-567-1567. Carol from Durbanville, gentlemen, she says, I heard now that fires have flared up around Hawk. We did see some messages earlier. What you guys know about what's happening there in Hawk? Well, um, earlier today there was another one. Uh, well, there was one in that area. It's uh, still ongoing. We actually have uh, some some of our crews out there at the moment joining uh, forces with the Cape Nature um, contractor crews and then uh, over Overberg uh, firefighters again. Who've, the Overberg guys have been busy this season since before Christmas. They've been running. It hasn't actually really stopped for them. Um, so they go into nearly four weeks now of constant activity. So it's just it's it's another one. Another largest one, it looks like, at, at this moment in so, time. So tell me about the camaraderie between the different crews, because there's the municipal guys, mm. there's the contractor guys, there's the working on fire, which are sort of semi-state entities, and it's you guys, the volunteer mm. firefighters. Just what is it like? Is there a, co- a coordinating team? Do you work independently, or do you guys all band together and say, you do this, you do this, and we'll concentrate on that? For, for the management of a fire, we use a system called the Incident Command System where multiple organizations may get together and they will decide on how they're going to manage this fire. Normally with the landowner, the governmental landowner or private landowner being in charge of that, um, but then anyone else will join in to manage that team. They're all specifically trained in certain roles for that, and then everyone who responds to that incident will fall under that team. So there's one set strategy. There's some set objectives that we want to work towards, and all organizations. So on a, any given day, we might find ourselves a working fire crew, a volunteer crew, and a, a, a contractor crew all working the same portion of line with the same objectives. And then on the line, we chat as though we're buddies. Mm. Um, it's all hard work. Uniforms really don't matter. It's can we get the job done? Mm. You're listening to Tonight with Lester. It's our weekly uh, hiking feature. Not only do we have Tim Lundy in, who our resident hiking specialist, but also uh, John Manking and Peter Wynn from Volunteer Wildfire Services talking us through this extremely busy fire season that we've been experiencing here in the Cape, uh, particularly in the last few weeks in the Overstrand and the Amanus era. We'll have more on this after the break. In the last 24 hours, what's happened in your world? Security concerns around one of the witnesses at the State Capture Commission have forced Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo to adjourn proceedings for the day. Former Bosasa executive Angelo Agrizi had been testifying about dodgy contracts the company had with government. Agrizi had raised issues around his security earlier today and Zondo explained the safety is paramount. 24 hours a day, Eyewitness News, in touch. In tune and independent. I'm Lisa Rally, and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new plant-based SuperScoop range powered by Biogen. SuperScoop contains high-quality phytonutrients in a convenient and tasty powdered solution without any additives, preservatives, or GMOs. Designed to help you lead a more plant-based diet, each serving contains over 50 superfoods packed with dairy-free probiotics and fiber, is low in calories with no added sugar. Available in berry and vanilla flavors from Diskem Pharmacies. Super Scoop by Lisa Rally and Biogen. Overheard at the My Way head office. Oh my word, have you seen Jen's Instagram? Oh, look at her dress. So flattering, right? So flattering. Is that her dad? Her boyfriend. Oh, well, good for her. 
Good for her. Really nice insurance must come from a place where going out of your way is the only way to go. That's why you get at least 25% off your premium when you insure two cars and up to 25% off when you add home contents. Go my way and live your way. Call 0860-646464. My way is an authorized FSP. T's and C's apply. Welcome to Harold's Relationship Hotline. Brought to you by Ned Forrest. Talk to me, Bongi. Harold, I'm an idiot. I need to make up to my base, Siwe. I called her my ex's name, Sile. <gasps> Scandalous. And now Sile, I mean Siwe, won't speak to me. Bongles, you need to get them both something. Go to netflorist.co.za and get Siwe a fluffy gown with a name on it and get Sile out of your mind ASAP. It'll take Siwe, not Sile, from mad to madly in love. So much Thanks, Henry. Really? You're with Cape Talk. This is Lester Kibbett. Tonight. It's eight minutes to ten and it's tonight with Lester. Up now is our regular hiking feature with uh, Tim Lundy, but also in studio, John Mainking and uh, Peter Wynn, who are volunteer wa- of volunteer wildfire services, discussing hiking the mountains and also this uh, very busy fire season that uh, has been experienced by Firefighters, one message coming through on the WhatsApp, 072-567-1567. Great admiration for you guys. What do you guys on the ground, what do you guys on the ground use to douse the flames? That's from Anonymous. John, uh, sometimes if you're in the mountain, you can't, you can't bash hoses all the way up there. So what do you use? <laughs> well, actually, Peter did that the other day. He took a portable pump with, uh, it was a small pump with a bunch of hoses and branches and uh, actually managed to find a little stream. But generally, a lot of hard work at Elbow Grease. Um, you know, we, are, we are nicknamed uh, landscape artists, really, of sorts. Uh, uh, but we take uh, Raycos, uh, not Rex. We're not part of the Trump administration. We use actually Raycos uh, to, to kind of uh, beat out those embers and rake them away from the, the, the non-burning and the burning. And, uh, and then the, the beaters, as, as you mentioned, <laughs> those slappers. Talk about a firefighter in joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, so, so, so w- when you're out, if I happen to to experience or just a fire that's starting, is it is it best to do that old trick of try and cover with sand or take off my shirt and try and beat the dead and not necessarily try and go look for a water source, which may just waste time and 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 see me coming back in five minutes' time and this fire has grown. It, it's it's really a tough one to ask. It depends mm-hmm. on how how big it is. You know, if it's really tiny, rub your foot, rub your shoe, or if you're wearing normal sh- tackies <laughs> on it, and <laughs> something like that. But you know, the first thing is leave it ten minutes. Um, or, or is what I see a lot of is uh, people post it to social media and then hope that that gets the authorities. Mm. We don't live on social media. Going, oh, someone's reported a fire on Twitter. There are specific phone numbers for that. Call that in straight away. And if you can't deal with it, then move move out of the area. Don't take any unnecessary risks um, doing that, particularly if you're hiking out mm-hmm. in the mountains. Tim, um, seeing that fire season is still ongoing, there are still very fresh areas. But uh, um, after a burn, just how how safe or is it to to return to an area if it's part of your favorite path or your favorite walk? How soon can one re- return? I know you just spoke about recently yeah. that some erosion could have taken place, uh, but also sand parks could close. An area, yeah. Uh, just how does it then affect uh, those people who are then uh, use uh, the, the mountains for hiking? I think the standard response to that should be treat it as if it was dangerous flat out. Whether it may look dangerous or not, as we know, fires can burn underground. Um, you get sinkholes. People have been known to break ankles and stuff mm-hmm. where they're just walking across the ground and the ground just gives way underneath them because the roots and stuff were underneath them and. Um, you know, it, it 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 can be very very dangerous. So, 
If the authorities are telling you, please stay out of the area, whether it be Sam Parks or VWS, mm-hmm. they're doing it for a very good reason. They're doing it for our safety, not to try and punish us. A call um, coming in on 0214460567. Jonathan from Musenberg, what's your comment? Hi, um, I'd just like to know what, what, um, what sort of material you have on your boots to prevent them from burning through, <laughs> from walking on the hot stuff. And um, another thing is uh, people seem to underestimate the, the, the usefulness of a spade, a flat spade, and you know, being able to throw st- sand and beat the rings out. These uh, fire beaters with all these tails on them, they seem to be pretty you know, useless. I don't know. I didn't have much joy with them in the fire in Ken. Well, these are the, the experts here. That's Jonathan from Museberg. Thanks for the call. What do you guys use or what do you guys suggest? Do you agree with Jonathan? Well, uh, in terms of the boots, uh, we use uh, boots that are rated to about 300 degrees. They do have a rubber sole uh, rated to about 300 degrees. They do take a beating um, depending on how many fires members respond to from our side. They do have a certain lifespan, a couple of years um, that they're there. In terms of uh, using things like spades versus um, beaters, we rather use beaters and then we can be certain that the fire is out. What happens a lot of time is if you just dump sand on it, the wind obviously always blowing in Cape Town, it blows that sand off, it lets the air back in again and it kind of flares up. Whereas with beaters, we beat the flame out and then we separate the fuel with Reiko. So we do a lot of what we call mop-up, cleaning up afterwards. So we try not to use, put sand on if we, if we can possibly avoid it um, and rather make sure that the line is out directly um, with that. We are fast running out of time. The half an hour is usually not enough to get through a general chat with Tim Lundy, but with also <laughs> these Sorry, guys <laughs> inside. Um, I just want to talk very quickly about uh, details and donations. If there's a big fire and there's call for donations, where can people drop off supplies? Uh, so first of all, you can go check out uh, vws.org.za. Um, if people would like to donate, we get that question quite often, where and how can we donate, uh, whether it be time or, or, or financially uh, as well. And then during the fire as well, uh, depending on where it is, the uh, different municipalities will put out a call as to where you can drop off whatever's required, and they will put out their hey, eye drops, uh, energies, and that kind of thing. Um, so definitely uh, keep following on social media. Uh, that kind of information does get passed on there. And of course, Tim Lundy he has a book, Family Walks in Cape Town. You can be found on his Facebook group, Cape Town Hiking with Tim Lundy. If you want to email him, it's Tim at Cape Town Hiking. .co.za or his Twitter account, Hiking Cape Town. Tim, what's your parting shot uh, for this week? I think parting shot is try, yeah, with, with the fire season the way it is at the moment. If a fire has come through an area, stay out of that area until it is deemed safe to go back into the area and just be cautious and don't yeah, don't don't light cigarettes on a mountain, don't light matches <laughs> yeah. on a mountain. All the kind of things Even that if would be a fire, don't Yeah. <laughs> all the kind of things that you, you think are kind of simple mm. common kind of things people do make mistakes. Just yeah, you know, just be aware that the ground is very, very fragile at the moment in terms of being dry. And fires can start really, really easy. We have one more minute. If anyone is out there thinking of joining Volunteer Wildfire Services, how can they get hold of you? All right. Again, the, the website, vws.org.za. We start taking uh, uh, new recruits or those interested at least uh, from March, April uh, every year where we'll have an information session and uh, people can find out exactly what we do and what's required of them and kind of uh, dispel any sort of um, misconceptions and any questions that might arise. And then you start doing an orientation session. And from then on, you train until the end of October. And then come 1st of November If you qualify You go out on the and, final line And I guess a certain level of fitness is needed Depending on what you want to do If you want to skip behind the scenes And help with critical supports uh, Maybe helping with some food For the guys coming off the line Or if you want to be a driver Or go into planning And that kind of